Welcome to the Boiled Owl Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting, where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. Hi, I'm Sam. Sam, how are you? I'm all right, Don. How are you? I'm uh, just sitting here recovering as hard as I possibly can. You know, once again, there's a bead of sweat on your brow. I'm letting go. I'm letting go. I thought maybe your coffee was too hot. <laughs> my coffee's cold. I got iced coffee today. Oh, oh, okay. I thought it might be Thomas's. Thomas, we have a guest. We do have a guest. Introduce yourself, Thomas. Uh, I'm Thomas, and I'm an alcoholic. Thomas. Thanks for joining us at the Boiled Owl Coffee Club. Happy to be here, Don. Have you got uh, some coffee? I, did, I had some coffee. I already drank it. I'm not good at keeping drinks around. I'm drink. <laughs> Typical alcoholic. <laughs> That's right. Thomas, when you first uh, came to AA, what, was, what, what reason did you do such a thing? I mean, I don't think people come to AA just because they want to enjoy the social life that we have. Mm -hmm. And particularly uh, at a young age, you came in when you were young, right? Mm -hmm. I was 18. I, I'd been doing um, a lot of drinking, obviously, and I just got to a point one day where I woke up and realized that nothing that I could do was going to make my life better, whereas before, every day I woke up, there was another fight that I had or scheme or whatever, and I went home and asked for help um, from my parents who had um, asked me politely to leave, um, <laughs> and... Uh, they pointed me in the direction of an AA meeting, and that's how I got here. They knew about AA? They went to a place that told them about AA. Mm -hmm. um, that suggested, that they suggested to me to go to an AA meeting. So did you get sober in AA, or did you go through a treatment facility? Um, I went to a treatment center, but the recovery part happened in AA, and it was a treatment center that was very... Um, big on go to AA or NA or CA and don't get recovery from us. The, mm. Basically, their mm. approach was a bunch of kids sat in a room and told on each other um, <laughs> 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 for doing things that we weren't supposed to be doing. At um, the recovery center. Right. Mm. And then we would, it was outpatient, and then you would mm. go to AA or NA or CA um, every day that you weren't there. Uh, seems like uh well did we did you have like detox no from before um before i got sober i was in the hospital for a week um and i actually turned 18 in the hospital which was june 29th and my sobriety date is july 11th um and i checked myself out of the hospital because i was 18 and uh that's what the constitution says so uh, again strong and advisory not to check myself out because i had um overdosed um before then on a bunch of chemicals and i actually came to in a hospital not knowing that i was in a psych ward um pretty crazy times wow you woke up in the psych ward yeah i was talking to a counselor and i came out of a blackout and said where am i but we were talking about something i mean I don't know. good Obviously, time I don't remember it. yeah good time drinking 
So I was pretty detoxed and then just another, what was that, 12 days maybe? 13 days of drinking, two weeks of drinking? Because I checked myself out and then... So you didn't feel like you had a problem at that point? No, not at all. I mean, I had never really thought that drinking was the problem. I always thought that people should just leave me alone and then I'd be all right. And I also had this really weird conspiracy theory in my head that everybody was doing what I did. They were just way better at hiding it. And my problem was that people kept on paying super close attention to me, so they kept finding it out. And if people would just leave me alone, then they wouldn't find it out, and we'd all be all right. But that wasn't the case. And I just, I woke up that morning just completely hopeless. Just, you know, for some reason, just that morning, I was just out of options in my brain. Uh Um, So I went and asked for help, which I had never done. Um, before. That's the first time you asked for help. Yes. I remember one conversation with my mom where they had found something in my room I wasn't supposed to have for the umpteenth time or whatever. And she said, do you need some sort of help? And for some reason I was really honest and I said, yes, I do. I think so. And she said, no, you don't. And, Uh um, you know, she didn't want to believe it. She didn't want to believe it Mm because I was so young at the time. And when I was 15, I got arrested and I spent all night in jail deciding that I was going to quit drinking. And I really meant it. And then I got out and drank like a week later. And I think I tried to read some spiritual books and they didn't. didn't I got drunk and it was like, all of a sudden it was like, well, alcohol wasn't even a problem. You know, mm-hmm. the problem is all these people who keep mm-hmm. getting me in trouble. And how many yeah. times did, did you try making that decision? I'm not going to drink. Oh man, maybe once. <laughs> I mean, maybe once when I was 16, I really just never thought that alcohol was a problem. I do know that there were several times where, um, for instance, I can vividly remember visiting my sister the second time in college because the first time I got super wasted and embarrassed her, and the second time I did as well. But I remember before we actually went out the second time, her saying to me, just don't get that drunk tonight. And I would say, yeah, no worries. I just won't get that drunk tonight. And then I just couldn't. I couldn't stop once I started, obviously. And I don't remember much of that night. And the same goes for all of it. I remember just being like, I'm just going to not be a bad person anymore. I'm yeah. going to do this and not steal anymore. And I just never could. I think all those failures are what's important. Yeah. The, it's the failures at trying to control it. because, Well, because someone who's not an alcoholic if they don't want to drink they just won't drink so if they say i'm not going to drink tonight they don't drink tonight or if they say i want one beer and that's all i'm going to have and then they leave half of it and then they'll let that because it's but it's like saying that i'm going to control it and then failing at it and then doing it again and failing at it i did i i drank for another 15 years yeah from uh, from you from your age when you got sober to when I finally admitted that I had a problem with it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but it does it that doesn't matter. It's a matter. What matters yeah. is if you're willing to Maybe give my, up. My pain tolerance is probably lower than yours. Or, is what I've always thought in my head. <laughs> well, yeah, and um, I'm sure there were there were points where I was in incredible pain and it was yeah. obvious that it was my drinking and that I had a problem with it, but I didn't know about AA. I yeah. didn't seek it out. And if I had known about it, and you, I, I really feel like I could have quit earlier. I had lots right. of opportunities. 
but I just kept turning away from it. Yeah. And you managed to turn towards re- recovery. It wasn't, it wasn't that easy, I feel like. But it, it's almost like, and I always say this, it's like when you're in an argument with somebody and it's dragging on and you just know that you're wrong and all you have to do is say, you know what, you're right, Don, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And then it's all good. You don't have to fight. You just give up and the freedom and being wrong and giving up was what I was desperate for when I got here. Yeah. You know? I was so the desperate relief. to just give up. You know? I, I can feel it. That happened to me. The first meeting I went into, it was like when it went around the room, everyone said, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. It's coming to me. Mm-hmm. And I'd never said the words out loud before, I'm an alcoholic. I had said, I'm tipsy. Or I had said, I'm (laughs) tipsy. tipsy. You know, what I really like about what you just shared, though, was so often when I'm talking with someone and I'm hearing about that, that their first step experience, they're talking about their powerlessness over alcohol. And what I heard in you talking there was about my life is unmanageable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I did. I had no idea what alcoholism was or what the word alcoholic was. I don't know where I've been living. I do know where I've been living, but I don't. I I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what AA was. I didn't know that they were gonna say don't drink at all. You know, um, I didn't think anybody just didn't drink. And I really right. thought it was gonna be the like the first scene in Fight Club where the protagonist hugs Meatloaf and they have jelly donuts or whatever. Like the self help <laughs> groups from Fight Club is what I thought AA was gonna be like. And they were gonna teach me how to drink a six pack every day, but. Powerless over alcohol, no, I wasn't, you know, I never thought I was powerless over alcohol, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just like, why would I drink and not get drunk? You know, that just didn't make sense. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like, oh, I can't control this. It's like, oh, I just understand it better than most people. So did you accept that concept right away or did you have to struggle with accepting that the problem is alcohol? This is brand new information. I don't know uh, how long it took me to accept it. Um, my first meeting was a trip. Um, Mm -hmm. I was 18. I walked into this room and there were people that were quadruple my age and they were all asleep. Um, there's a bunch of old men and they were all asleep, dude. Like I'm not making that up. And I walk in and it's a two o'clock meeting. I walk in at like one 55 and I just sit there awkwardly. I kind of like snuck in and sat down there, all these couches and they all woke up at two o'clock and looked at me I'm like, who are you, boy? You know, and uh, this is a club. Yeah, it was yeah. just an AA club. Uh, it's called the Twelve Step Club, and uh-huh. uh, uh, they uh, went around the room and shared their stories with me. And um, I, you know, for so long, I just felt like I was just a bad person that was never going to get good again. You know, that I'm just bad. And there's nothing I can do that's going to make me good. And it was relieving to find out what alcoholism was. And I don't think a lot of people have that experience. But my experience was, it was awesome to know, like, hey, I'm sick. And Mm -hmm. I can get better. And there's all these people who I instantly decided I wasn't going to relate to. Because, you know, old people don't party, you know. No wonder they they don't drink. They're, like, retired and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um you know, but it was the first time that I can remember hearing other people talk and feeling like a human being, you know, because before then it was like there was some huge disconnect between me and 
everyone I was talking to about my drinking. But these guys, they weren't talking to me about me. They were talking at me about them, you know? And yeah. it was like terror, bewilderment, fear, wanting so bad to, you know, not ruin everything, but ruining everything and mm-hmm. hopelessness. And I never heard anyone talk like the way that I right. felt, you know? And it was really, I was relieved. It's a bizarre feeling to hear people yeah. saying out loud my internal thinking. Especially <laughs> when you walk in, you say, I can't relate to any of these people. Yeah. You know, like, and I, I really did walk in there. I was like, oh man, maybe I was too hasty. Where, you know, <laughs> 24 hours ago, I had made that decision that I needed help so desperately. And then at two o'clock the next day, I'm like, I don't know about this man I might have been a little too you know maybe I only need to break into one more car and it'd be alright or whatever you know <laughs> that'll so fix everything now you're now you're well yeah as, you know you're not this broken person now you're better, not yeah. this bad person better yeah um what what's that look like today um well I don't make my mom cry when I see her. That's good. Um, That's good. Which I used to. I I don't think I was ever a bad person. I just think that I did bad things because I was sick. Mm. You know? Um, And that doesn't make bad things right. But it, you know, today it's just like I don't lie. I don't steal. um, I don't do all the things that I didn't know how to not do when I first got here. Um, And I'm not sure how that looks, but I feel like I can say I'm going to be somewhere and I'm going to be there and people aren't scared to let me in their homes. And, um, people give me jobs that I have no experience with because they go out on a limb thinking that, I don't know. And it's hard for me to brag on myself like that, but I do know that I'm a good employee. I'm a good son. I'm a good boyfriend. I'm a good friend. And all that's because of my relationship with God. And without mm-hmm. God, I'm not any of those things, which is not to get too gaudy from the start, but <laughs> that's the reality of my life. Right. So how did you get to there? Were you, were you, did you have a relationship with, In, with God, with no, a higher power or anything before all this? That's really funny, too, because I made a decision in middle school, I feel like, that what, was ha- what I was doing versus what... I was being taught about God, I was definitely going to be punished later on. So if God just wasn't real, then I wasn't going to be punished. And I ran with that idea. I know in the, there's a story in the back of the big book that talks about uh, changing your um, beliefs to meet your behaviors, whereas mm-hmm. normal people change their behaviors to meet their beliefs. And I, I really did that. And um, to be honest, I when I was so against the idea of God, and that's not what I wanted in AA. And um, by the time I got to AA, and that was the solution, I was, like I said, I I had given up, you know. And I was at the point where it was just like, I'll I'll try it, you know, because I wanted I wanted to fit in so bad, which mm-hmm. is you know weird to think about now. But that's I really just wanted what these people were talking about so bad. And they're like, well, we have relationships with higher powers. And I was like, well, I can do that. And it's the same thing of like just giving up that argument of, you know, just why not? You know, I'd always had this idea of myself as someone who didn't believe in a higher power. But why not just give it a shot? Yeah, just give up, man. Just, you know. You can always take it back. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like like it's like having a band that you really like and you listen to it and you really like it, but around your friends you're like, I don't like that band, but secretly you do, and then finally one day you're just like, I like that band and it's out in the open and it's cool and nobody cares and you listen to it and you enjoy it. And yeah. then all my friends today like that band too, I guess. So yeah. cool analogy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, but what happened, your idea before you uh, came to AA and got sober, your idea of, of God was punishing, well, sounds like, a punishing God, and then that's not the case for you today. Yeah, absolutely not. And my idea of God was that, how could there be a God if there's Darfur? You know, like it was mm. that ridiculous and out there. Um, but yeah, today I try not to put anything on it. Um, I used to be really big on describing what God was to me, and now I feel like whatever I come up with is mine, and that mm -hmm. that's just me and not as big as God is. And I really kind of go by that line in the book that God's everything or he's nothing, and that's, you know, what's your choice to be. Yeah. Um, you know. I've For me, I've gotten to the place where I just feel like that God is that thing that keeps me sober that's a positive influence in my life that helps me to make choose right decisions instead of one bad decision after another i'm now trying to choose Absolutely. one good decision after another mm -hmm. and my life has changed i'm in a better shape i'm a better as you said a better employee better in, in, in friend husband right um, and whatever that thing is that's doing that that's what god is <laughs> yeah and i you know starting out with that i this the guy who first sponsored me told me to get on my knees every day and just thank god for the day and help me stay sober and i it was really important for me to put a put some type of um adjectives in there with it like friendly loving mm -hmm. forgiving you know god is this and god is that and today i try not to spend a lot of time doing that and more of just helping people which is where i find god the easiest mm -hmm. if that makes sense i don't know if that makes sense that but, makes sense but yeah i spent a lot of time seeking god like trying to figure out my conception i ended up just getting really self-centered right you know it was like oh no i'm you know somebody would call and i'd be like i don't have time to call you dude i'm trying to figure out what god is or, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> i'm becoming a spiritual giant yeah. right now <laughs> yeah if, exactly if you would please, give me some space yeah, give these newcomers <laughs> to stop calling me so i could meditate you know come on right <laughs> trying to find <laughs> god over saying. here <laughs> you know i don't have time to listen to you i'm working on my honesty you know <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it occurs to me just listening to this conversation right now that, uh, and I don't remember exactly where in, in the text, but it talks about how um, for us, the problem has been removed. Mm -hmm. Speaking about alcohol, it's not that we are trying not to drink or that we're avoiding it. It's just the problem has been removed. Yeah. Similarly, for me, the problem of defining God has right. been removed. Well, I don't need to do that. Awesome. Because that's a 10-step promise, or that's in the 10-step promise is what you're referring to. So maybe when Can you, you talk about it's like the 12-step 12, 12 promise. Can you state the 10-step promise? Um, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither fighting it nor yeah, we are afraid. Yeah. 
that is our experience so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And then after that, it look goes at this. <laughs> He's a spiritual giant no, 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 and a walking no, big I book. had a home group and we read that every time. So uh-huh. I attended that meeting three times a week for five years. Uh-huh. Well, that would do it too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like the Star Spangled Banner Pledge of Allegiance, you know? I wanted to go back to shame. When you mentioned when yeah. you first came in, because that was that was my experience. That um, I thought that there was a, that my failure to be able to control my drinking was shameful. That I should have been able to behave better. I should have been able to. I should have been able to have two drinks and be happy, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, and I thought I was raised and thought it was a more a moral failing. So I thought I was a bad person. Yeah. Trying to get good. And somebody told me you're not a bad person trying to get good, you're a sick person trying to get well. Which is in in but I society really still I think still does put an element of shame on being an alcoholic because for people who aren't an alcoholic, it is a failure of will. Absolutely. I mean, they don't feel... I I had a conversation once with uh, my brother and we were talking about what is an alcoholic, what is alcoholism. He's not an alcoholic. He's one of those people who leaves half a drink. And... um, I said, you you know, like when you take a a drink and and this feeling of effervescence comes up and you get this euphoric feeling and then you want another one and it's like grows even bigger. And he looked at me, his face was all scrunched up going, no. He said, when I have a, a drink, well, like the second drink, everything starts to go out of control. And I was like, that's it. Everything for me comes in control on the second drink. And I'd never realized that I'm having an entirely different experience from someone who's not an alcoholic. And that's what alcoholism is. That experience, that difference in experience. Drinking for the effect. Yeah. Drinking for the effect and feeling the effect differently than someone who's not an alcoholic. Because he feels like he's getting out of control, I feel like I'm getting in control. And if I get more in control in two drinks, three drinks, I'm gonna really focus. Eight drinks, boy, I've got control, I've got the reins. And 10 drinks, we're ruling the world. (laughs) We're ruling the world, we're riding a pony. (laughs) But you know, you mentioned earlier, Thomas, about, um, you know, when you drank, there was no why, why wouldn't I keep on drinking? It, yeah. it was, it was, you know, every time I drank, I, I would be pissed off if I couldn't have more. Right. I mean, so I wouldn't start if I knew I was going to be in a situation where I could only have one or two. Yeah. And so my drinking was always with a purpose of getting drunk. It right. was not a social thing. It was not anything. So, you know, my intent, the alcohol, when it was in, when, when it gets in me, it does, my shoulders drop. That's the first thing. Right. And I just feel like the weight of the world is gone. And 
a lot of self-consciousness goes away. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, one of the things that's, that's a big part of this program is, is getting my ego right-sized, um, getting out of self-centeredness. Right. And, well, that's what alcohol did for me. Alcohol made it so that when I was in, particularly in social situations, I wasn't so nervous to talk to other people. I wasn't so worried about what they were going to think about me or they think I'm stupid or I'm going to say the wrong thing or all this kind of stuff because I was still saying the same stuff. I just didn't care at that point. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. And and so, you know, I, I, I love that, that thing where that realization that alcohol, when it worked for me, did what living my life today with these principles does. Right. Now, it didn't work nearly as well as these principles, but in that period of time, right. it did. Right. It served me. And then it became the boss. It became the master. And um, what the program does, what AA does, is like give me a way to live in the world where I have that freedom that I had, felt like I had when I was drinking. Because drinking did work for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I really was funnier when I was drinking. <laughs> It's not hard to believe. <laughs> Especially after that joke you showed. You know what my point was. Yeah, we I'm, get it. We got, we're, free, we're free now. Um, and the program provides the freedom that we... It, if we didn't have that, I wouldn't keep doing it. I wouldn't keep going to meetings and being a part of Alcoholics Anonymous if I wasn't getting that sense of freedom and that sense of ease in life and... You know, it's a positive benefit. So I have to work on the, like, I drank for a reason. I drank, I drank to kill those feelings that you were talking about, Sam. Mm -hmm. uh, Self-consciousness. Feel like people were judging me and, and the, uh, and feelings of, uh, in the background, feelings of guilt and shame. In the book, it talks about a hundred forms of fear which I wouldn't have said that I was living in fear back when I was drinking. I didn't even go to happy hour and someone say, Don, how are you doing? I'm consumed with the hundred forms of fear. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't have been my response. Yeah, ne <laughs> never mind the fact that I actually had to take a couple of drinks at home before I could go to the bar. <laughs> which is kind of being consumed by a fear. Yes. It's exactly what I did. I, I drank to go out drinking. Mm -hmm. Uh, yep. <laughs> so the, um, the, the, be free from all of that is what, is what happens with recovering. So I, I don't have to drink it. If, but if I don't take care of all those things then all those feelings will be back and it will become, it'll be, it'll be a good idea. I'll think it's a good idea to get drunk again. And I think that's what can happen for relapse. If I stop doing all the things that make me happy and um, and satisfied in the world, then all that stuff will rise back up and I want to drink again if by working the program. I don't even, ha I, I don't get the thought of wanting to drink. It doesn't come up for me anymore. It's extraordinarily rare. It's like what Sam was talking about earlier. It's been removed. Yeah. So I'm curious, Thomas, do you uh, practice meditation? Um, I read the 11th step prayers in the morning and the evening. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's the most I'm the type of guy that I, I can't do anything um, without doing it a hundred percent. Like if I, I mean, and that's really just like my alcoholism and just in other areas. Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to be reading books, I'm going to read a book a week. You know, if I'm mm -hmm. going to be playing guitar, I'm going to play guitar every second. And with meditation, what happened was it was like, I have to be this Zen master and it was no longer like this thing it was constantly and um you became obsessed obsessed yeah mm -hmm. i had all these books that i read that i didn't understand and i was meditating for hours you know um like lighting candles and you know and the, the what the book says in the 11th step prayer where i review my my day and in the morning where i think about the 24 hours ahead is the only way that I've been able to have consistent meditation that's not super, it turns into me overanalyzing and being super heady. Um, and in a way, I feel like that's the intention of um, the book is to, you know, get you to start on some type of meditation. And I've just never graduated from that. You know, it's the only thing that's been super effective over a long period uh -huh. of time. And that's what I consider to be meditation, sitting there and thinking about my day. Uh-huh. Fantastic. And it works. It works, It's yeah. working for and you. I, you know, and I so do it. So it's what you need to do. I do it more regularly when I have sponsees. I've been telling them to do it, too. So yeah, that always works. Funny how that works. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a sponsor. We do. Yes, we have a brand new sponsor from the Sponsor Schmonser Company. Shall we listen? <laughs> Let's. You've heard you need to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. Who has the time? Don't these people in recovery know how important you are? You need Sponsor Schmonser's Speed Recovery System. At the Sponsor Schmonser Company, we know how valuable your time is. Order our new product, Speed Recovery, 90 meetings in 90 minutes. That's right, 90 meetings in only 90 minutes. You receive our cassette tape of 90 speaker meetings. That's 90 old timers all talking at once. 90 hours of wisdom compacted into only 90 minutes. Unbelievable. Listen to this sample. Incredible! The recovery just pours into your brain. 90 topics on every subject, all at the same time. Don't have 90 minutes? Just increase the playback speed to increase the recovery. Don't miss the miracle just because of your busy schedule. Order Sponsor Schmonsers Speed Recovery System today. 90 meetings in 90 minutes, only 90 bucks. Sponsor Schmonser and all its products are not approved by Alcoholics Anonymous, and since they are not real, they probably will not work. How in the world did we get that sponsor? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to reconsider. <laughs> Maybe we should remain not affiliated. <laughs>
The Boil Down Recovery <laughs> Podcast is not affiliated with Sponsor Schmonser or any of its products. <laughs> sponsor Schmonser. <laughs> All right. I want to thank Thomas for joining us today and also for helping me write that commercial. <laughs> it was actually res Thomas's responsible. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, thank you, Thomas. He came up with the idea of 90 minute, ninety meetings in 90 minutes. <laughs> On a cassette tape? <laughs> On a cassette tape. <laughs> you, you could speed up the recovery. So you can speed up the recovery. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> it's time for our old timers question from a listener. Who you calling an old timer? It's still one day at a time, but that's what happens if you stay sober long enough. Now listen up. All right. All right. You so got a question. Anonymous from Centerville, PA. That's Centerville with an R-E. Sounds like a likely story. Mm. States that I've been drinking since I was 13 and now I'm 30 and I can't stop. I'm going to meetings, but I don't get what all these people are talking about. All this recovery talk. How do I not drink today? What do y'all think about that? Good question. The things that worked for me were, uh, no matter, you, I don't care what happens, you get to a meeting because they don't serve alcohol in the meetings. Not, Not the ones I've been to. <laughs> <laughs> and be inside the program, have a, get a sponsor. Uh, don't, um, don't drink no matter what. I mean, it's really a matter of, have I proven to myself that no matter what, if I drink, it, there's, it's not going to end well. And I, when I had got here, I got to that point that no matter what happens to me, if I drink, it's going to be a failure. I was convinced of that, and I was sick of it. So holding on to that helped me a great deal. Hmm. It was just don't drink and talk to other alcoholics about it. That's what did it. How about for you, Thomas? I don't, I don't really know that anyone has an answer to that question. I mean, to be, to be completely honest, I have no idea. When I really think about like my early sobriety, I could not stop drinking. And then I went to a meeting and I didn't drink from then on. And the solution in AA is the steps, but I didn't do that in a day. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a sponsor my first day. I wasn't in meetings 24-7. I just, I went to a meeting and I just didn't drink. I mean, I didn't pray that day. I didn't, you know, I just got up and went to one the next day. Right. And I started taking suggestions really slowly. I think there was a period of grace for me that I don't understand and maybe nobody does. Exactly. I mean, I just, I was ready, man. And I think that's the, that must be the most difficult thing for people who come in is that I was really blessed in that i didn't come in until i was ready so as soon as i got there i was doing i was gonna do anything you know and then two days later i wasn't but by then i had a sponsor that you know, <laughs> yeah i could call yeah and, you know what about yeah. you you know i i really like that that, that period of grace um statement because that that's much what i experienced too um for me i i had to completely interrupt my schedule. I had to interrupt what I had been doing because what I had been doing was get off work at four 30, 
go to the liquor store, go home, and start drinking. Right. And all that took about 20 minutes. <laughs> um, and so what I did was instead I went home, I changed clothes, and then I drove about 20 minutes into Greensboro where I went to a clubhouse and I went to the meeting. And the meeting didn't start for about 45 minutes after I got to the clubhouse. I mean, I would get there that early. But I knew that if I got there, someone would be there. Um, I was scared to talk to them at first, but I'm there. And then the meeting. And then after that, uh, eventually, after those, those first several, probably several weeks of being terrified of you people, um, I actually agreed to go out to eat with somebody or go for a coffee or something after a meeting. Uh, and, and that was the real beginning of my becoming part of the fellowship because it was the fellowship that carried me that the fellowship was my period of grace Absolutely. in many yeah. ways, uh, because I did not get a sponsor until I was, um, I had not, it, it was eight months after my last drink when I got my sponsor. I like that. The, you, when you got off work, you went right to a meeting that there was a, there's a meeting here at 5.30, and I really appreciated that it was called happy hour because I was very accustomed to going to happy hour right after work. Mm -hmm. And getting through that hour, that transition from work to, um, to, to the evening mm -hmm. was just terrible. I wanted to drink so bad. <clears throat> and the happy hour meeting was great for me for that reason. It is getting to it is getting to the meeting. Also, get telephone numbers yeah. and call up people. Use the telephone numbers to call up people. I did that one Sunday afternoon. I went through list of numbers and and called up down the list uh, everyone on that list. And each time that helped me out a little bit when I talked to someone. It took a little bit of the pressure off. And your arms get really big because that phone weighs about five hundred pounds. It's very heavy. <laughs> it is. Very it's hard heavy. to do, but it but it. It's an answer. It, it is really an answer. Works. You know, one of the things that really messed me up the most in those early days of trying not to drink was weekends. You know, Monday through Friday, I was at work 7.30 to 4.30, go home, change clothes, go to the meeting, and get through that witching hour of when I would start drinking. Mm -hmm. And once I was past, you know, once, once you got me to 8 o'clock, I was pretty much good. I'm not going to drink that night. Um. But then the weekends would come, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't have that that routine for the day. The longest day of the year. Yeah. So <laughs> I went to I went to the I think it was nine thirty um, at that time, but uh, the the men's meeting uh, at nine thirty on Saturday mornings, and that was where I started my day. And then I would run around and go into coffee shops and other things, and I had a commitment to go to a meeting that evening as well. And that would get me through Saturday. I would go and hang out with people after that meeting, that 8 o'clock meeting. And I was staying up until 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning because I was used to doing that anyway. Mm -hmm. That was you know, that was a Friday or Saturday night type of thing. And except we, I was sitting in someone's kitchen smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and playing cards. Right, exactly. That's, that's how I didn't drink. Yeah, we played darts. I bet your aim was better. Yeah. <laughs> Not at first. Had to keep my hands from shaking. Just shaking. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They gave me plastic darts to start. Yeah. But that's a good point too, man. Is that I? And this is, probably sounds crazy, but my second day sober, I was eating dinner with my parents, 
and this guy I'd met at the meeting just showed up to my house and knocked on the door. You know, we're all eating dinner. We're just like, who's this guy knocking on our door at 7 o'clock or whatever? And there's this guy I met from AA. And I didn't tell him where I lived. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, like, They've what, come to get me. Hey, man. You know, like, <laughs> he's like, come on, we're going to a meeting. And I was like, what? My mom was like, what? You know? <laughs> she wrote down his name and his license number. You just know? to be oh, sure. Wow. Just in case I had just gotten kidnapped. And they let me go with them. And that's pretty much my uh, story is that people were just there. Wow. I didn't have a car. I mean, people just showed up. That's pretty awesome. You know, all the time. And I That's feel, the truth. I feel like there's always those people in AA who are just there. You know, they find a newcomer and they go get them. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. And it points out how important it is to do that for yeah. those and of us who have been sober. call the newcomer. Because he's not going to mm-hmm. call you, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, that comes back around to, to one more thing about this question of, um, you know, all these people, all this recovery talk in the meetings. You know, one of the, the things that I, I experience with some frequency in meetings is, you know, a, a newcomer is in the room and the meeting is on, let's say, step 11. And sometimes a group will go right back to step one because there's a newcomer in but some groups choose not to do that. And there's some controversy amongst people with about doing that. You know, the newcomer is the most important person in the room. Well, but what about the people who were there for step 11? You know, when do we pick up the, so there's a lot, lots of different perspectives on that. But the big thing is if you're not hearing what you need during the meeting, that's when it's so important to stick around because Many home groups, unfortunately not all of them, but many of them, the members will come up and talk with you after the meeting. Mm-hmm. And that will help you. That's when you will be able to hear what you're looking for. That's when you can ask the questions of, how do I not drink tonight? Right. So if you don't hear what you need in the meeting, don't run out the door. Stick around. Well, I think I've just realized the flaw in sponsor sponsors 90 meetings in 90 minutes. What's that? It you said osmosis. It takes you got to keep going because slowly but surely it starts to make sense. But you got to keep going and keep going day after day after day and slowly these things begin to clarify and all I began to realize for me that, you know, maybe I, there were amends to be made. <laughs> maybe I did harm people right. in my drinking. Now, when I first came in, I was going, I'm a happy drunk. I never hurt anybody. Right. In fact, I came home from that meeting and I told my wife exactly that. I'm a, I'm, and she was on pins and needles because I had gone to an AA meeting. Right. <laughs> and she was like, going, what is this going to be? I have no idea. And I came back and said that I never, I never heard anybody. It was a happy drunk. Right. And uh, she said, what about our wedding reception? Did you remember it? Which was news to me. Oh, yeah, I remembered it. It was the best party that the world has ever known. I had everybody out on the street. We got married on the 4th of July. I had everybody out on the street singing the national anthem to cars passing by up and down. Uh, I had uh, all, all my friends were there. I actually had a friend who got a little bit tipsy 
and fell into a trash can. Uh, that actually happened. It sounds like it. That sounds like a great party. It was a great party. It didn't have a lot to do about making a commitment to someone you love and, and committing to spend oh, the rest of your life together. There's that. Uh, there's the part of of uh, that it was maybe embarrassing to her for her parents who were uh, who, who didn't drink. Right. Uh, maybe all of this was a bit of, and I had no, I had no idea. I had no idea. That was news to me. So, yeah, slowly but surely it sinks in that maybe my drinking is affecting other people. But I had to keep going to meetings and I slowly heard heard things that start to make sense, you know. The, the whole idea of higher power and meditating that made no sense to me. I think that's the other thing about how sometimes people all just like quote the big book. And it's not, I'm not trying to show off but i think the you know well i know that a lot of my experience is written in the big book and it's written better than i could word it you know when we it talk is. about yeah. the problem has been removed i remember my first sponsor would say stuff like that all the time and i'd be like this guy is the most eloquent he should write a book <laughs> you know this guy is so smart and then i would read it and be like he got it right out of sponsor sponsor am i right <laughs> <laughs> But it's the truth is that, you know, <laughs> you, you start to, I, I've begun to, or maybe I have, relate to the, the recovery more than the drinking. Yeah. The solution is more real for me than the drinking, which is why I know today I've accepted I'm an alcoholic because writing down my resentments and why I'm mad and what it affects and what my part is, is the perfect solution. And that's way easier to accept, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. Because this mm -hmm. works so well, than because like you know I couldn't stop drinking once I started. It's the truth. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks for joining Thank us at the Boiled Owl it's Coffee been a pleasure. Club. Thanks so much, Thomas. <laughs> Woo -hoo! Woo -hoo! There's that owl. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the first and fifteenth of every month. Visit our website at boiledowlaa.org. Leave feedback or ask a question on the blog or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services.